And we are live. This is the On Blast Podcast NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander, joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. Rusty, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? We got, I want to get right into this because we had, we had some, we were going head to head on a few games last week, and I am uh, I'm interested to hear how that went. Uh, I know, <laughs> okay, okay. I, I know your 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 love and your devotion <laughs> for just going in on the Chiefs. Whenever uh, I tell you not well, to, still you know uh, that went that went well, didn't it? Um, well, last week's record wasn't too bad. I didn't come out too bad here. Okay, I mean, nine okay. six and one. We'll take it. We'll take a nine six and one week. I'll take that. Um, what was the one? I think the tie was the uh, Texans and the Bears landed yes, on correct. three. That, yes, uh, yep, it was yep. for much of the week. Yeah, that'll do it. See, that's why you're the numbers guy. You got you got it all down. You know exactly what I'm saying here. You got it. It was a, it was a weird week. There were some like very strange outcomes as there always is in the nfl and that's why we love it so much um yeah i mean just trying to win more than we lose here and that's what i that's what i try to do again for the people who are brand new to us here it's week four so first question where you been what you been doing (laughs) if it's four weeks and you still haven't checked in with this yet but you know we're not mad at you. It's all right. Just know you can like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts you can see the video we got the video up on YouTube. We got all that fun stuff going on as well. And just know that at the end of the day, we're here trying to help people win some money. If you don't really know what's going on here, I try to give the lean, give my take, my Joe public take on whatever's going on in each and every game. And then Mr. Russell comes in with the information and education about where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going before game time. And to me, the fun part of last week was just we were going back and forth on a bunch of different things, and that's the beauty of it because this stuff is difficult. This <laughs> stuff's hard, right? Like, yeah. Again, my goal is to win more than I lose, literally. Like that's that's it. So so far, so good. Just try to avoid those blow up weeks. But how are you doing, man? I know. Hold on. First off, I know you're smashing it right now in a in a big time <laughs> pool that we might be involved in in some how some way yeah that's right uh 12 and 3 in circa millions to start with literal four and one four and one four and one weeks to start the year so we are tied for 66th out of 4690 competitors right now so uh very early on in the season of course but you rather start 12 and 3 than 3 and 12 (laughs) <laughs> uh, and honestly, like I'm kind of that weirdo. I rather start 12 and three than like 14 and one or 15 and zero because 12 and three feels like something we can replicate mm-hmm. on a three week, you know, every three weeks we could theoretically do that. Uh, whereas 15 and zero, just like that sounds like a fluke. Like if I said to you, yep, 15 and zero, you'd be like, yeah, but you know, we don't even do win every single bet. It's like, yeah, well, that would be a little bit fluky, and I don't think that would uh, be sustained. Though in quarterly prizes, the people who are sitting there at 15 to 0 are pretty excited uh, because they have a really good chance at winning the quarterly prize in the Circa Millions contest. But we're in it for the long haul, brother. We're hoping um, to uh, you know keep it going uh, each and every week. For sure. And as mentioned, make sure you follow Matt at MRS Authentic and everything he does at The Score. Uh, if you, you're listening to this, I feel like you got to know what the score is and the score bet and all that fun stuff. Because if not, again, 
who are you? What have you been doing with your life? So we are here each and every week to kind of break down the picks. Let's get right into it. We start, as always, with a little Thursday night football action. Dolphins at the Bengals. Dolphins are underdogs here. Bengals, four-point favorites at home. Um, this is kind of weird for me, but I'm going to be on Miami and I know my key is wrong here, so I'm going to remove that because I just <laughs> noticed that and looked at it. Um, I'm going to be on the Dolphins here plus the four points. And the reason I'm going to be on them plus the four points is because I know this could be a letdown spot for them. I get that. I understand that. But I also wonder if this line is more about Tua and like sort of Tua protection if he's hurt or not. Sure. But who's their backup? All right. <laughs> Man. my friend and yours Daddy. teddy two gloves um i just i just like leading the point because i'm still not buying into the Bengals. they didn't really show me enough to like you know be like all right the Bengals are fine so give me the points four points on the road thursday nighter you don't have to talk me into taking points on a thursday night never never mad at that so this game is wild uh, mm-hmm. from a betting from a betting market standpoint. So first things first, my numbers uh, from market standpoint came out to two and a half. That's kind of where we started earlier mm-hmm. on in the week. There was even some one and a halfs on the open. And all we've seen all week is it get bet up to four. Now you go like really like that many people are like dying to bet the Bengals here. Because there is one uh, sports book here in uh, Ontario that I will remain nameless. It is not the score bet. It is a different uh, book that I have an account with. Honestly, just to see, because it is so square, right? Mm. You know, tiny limits. um, And it's been around a really long time. So very kind of like just a basic uh, long time sports book. They are so square, but they also provide you betting percentages on the people who uh, bet there. And if you click on their betting percentages, you can see that 80% of the population has been betting on Miami taking the points. Whereas if you go to literally any other betting percentage site, it shows Mm. closer to 50-50. Because the people who are betting on Cincinnati are betting on them for a multitude of reasons because there is a laundry list of reasons to do so. Now, you're worried about the Tua situation and whether Teddy's in and, and sort of what this line means with regards to to a being in or being out mm-hmm. for me. And I, you know, it's funny last week we had this, you know, Steelers, but what we didn't factor in was just all of the snaps that the Steelers had played over the course of three games coming, especially defensively coming to into the second half of that game. They led at halftime, the second half of that game, they just got tired and the Browns just kind of outlasted them in mm-hmm. that game. And so that wasn't this like public thing that everybody was talking about that you would see in all of these different, you know, content areas, et cetera, et cetera. And then sure enough, the very next week, it's the main thing when it comes to this 90 plays, you know, have you heard this one yet? 90 plays the Dolphins defense was on the field for in Miami, in that heat. You know, we talked last week about how the heat was going to affect Buffalo and you had Mm. uh, Stefan Diggs, like, you know, cramping up in the middle of the game. Josh Allen's like, leaning on uh, Tua at the end of the game, like dead, tired. Tua's fresh. He only played like 35 plays in that game because <laughs> uh, Buffalo's offense was the one that was on the field the entire team, time. But the point is, is that Miami's defense was on the field the entire game. And now they have to go on a short week. Mike McDaniel has never prepped for a short week from a mm. head coaching standpoint. He got Tua, who 
at one point, let's just be honest about it, like that looked pretty concussed to me out there. And now he's going to turn around. Like, I rather he play in this game than have to deal with the Teddy Bridgewater, like as an underdog, like getting all the points, et cetera, et cetera, type situation. Okay. Now, the problem is, is that two and a half is long gone. And you and I talk all the time about how three is the key number in the NFL now, right? It used to be three and seven. Now six and eight are getting involved a lot more. Three is that key number in the NFL. And so, like, I can't sit here and tell you, like, yep, like dying to grab Cincinnati minus four here. But this is setting up as, like, the perfect spot for Cincinnati. And as much as Zach Taylor's only a couple of years into his uh, tenure, at least he's had Thursday nighters. He's had Thursday nighters at home. We already know the Thursday night, you know, favorite is usually a pretty good play as much as you and I like taking the points. You know, we have been burned a fair amount of times going, well, this number's too high. And it could, and that could be for reasons that aren't even like as extensive as, the, as they are in this game. Right. And so that's why we're seeing all of this, this line move through three, like that's an indicator of something, right? Like if there was mm. a value here on Miami, the way that it sort of seems like there should be, then people would be betting it like the sharp betting community would be betting it. Now, maybe that ends up being the case, you know, line as limits go up closer to game time, but limits should have gone up on this game as of, you know, Wednesday afternoon when we're having this conversation. So, you know, we watched the line go from two and a half to three, then to three and a half. And now it's up to four. Like there is no stopping this line. I mean, I guess it's, you know, stopped now, but if Tua plays, maybe it comes back down. I don't really think that's going to be the case either. I think this is Bengals or nothing. It was going to be a potential and extremely rare Thursday circa millions contest play for me Ooh. when it looked like it was going to be under a field goal. Okay. Now that it's over a field goal, I can't ignore that win probability that we talk about on key numbers going from Cincinnati winning by three to now that's a win for the Dolphins against the spread. I can't ignore that. So I can't make that like the all in contest and a bet, you know, yada, yada, yada type of play. But this is Bengals for me. Minus three was nice. Minus three and a half was okay. Minus four, I guess will have to be. Maybe if Tua comes back, you get a better number here and the number dips back down to three and a half or even three. But this is Cincinnati for me because like, this is a human being bet. Right. And, you know, at some point we have to realize that we're betting on human beings and like Cincinnati hasn't looked great, but it's setting up perfectly in a 60 minute football game for, you know, against this Dolphins team that's going to be tired that, you know, again, how did you feel about them at halftime against Baltimore? How did you feel about them during a lot of that game against the Bills? I don't want to say that both of those games are flukes. Obviously, they earned the win in both cases. But honestly, this is a terrible spot after those two dramatic victories. It's just brutal. This is a human being bet. I have to take Cincinnati in this game, man. You will see and you will notice that this is a moment. I'm holding up the card. <laughs> this is not the red card, but it'll do in this moment here for people watching the video. I've switched the pick to Cincinnati. Two things just happened. One, the mistake that was made on the key earlier is a sign of something is a sign it said minus four meaning that's what i should have been doing anyways and then you come up here and say the sweet music to my ears of a human being bet you know <laughs> you know me you know that's where i love to roll and it makes a lot of sense for the dolphins to be you know that's an emotional high they're coming off of and, and one thing that you have taught me is paying attention to the spots 
And this might not be about if the Dolphins are necessarily better than the Bengals. It's just a better spot for the Bengals in this game. And where that line's going, it's very interesting. You're right. To have like such movement like that is crazy. Changing my pick, alert, 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 since he minus four. I'm in. Well, and, and one other thing real quick. Like if Miami loses this game, what happens, right? They go from 3-0 and and leading the AFC East with a win over the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm to three and one and leading the AFC East with a win over the Buffalo Bills, right? Like it is not a catastrophe by any means to lose this game in the NBA or in the NHL. We would call this a schedule loss, right? Like that's the term that gets thrown around in both of those leagues where you just go like, yeah, you know what? Like that one's on the loss to be or on the schedule to be a loss. Now it wouldn't necessarily have been a schedule loss if, Again, they didn't have to play 90 plays defensively. They didn't have these dramatic victories, right? Mm-hmm. But just the way that it's shaped up, like, yeah, they would trade a loss at Cincinnati for a win at Baltimore and a win at home against Buffalo. They would do that every single time. Add in a win that they already have against the Patriots. They're sitting there 2-0 and in division with wins against the two other theoretical good teams in that division. Yeah. Miami's fine right now, and they do yeah. not need to win this game, and I don't think they do. I like it. Bills minus three. Speaking of Bills minus three at the Ravens. And I'm going to be on the Ravens here plus three. I don't, I'm not overreacting to the Bills losing because I feel like the Bills could have and should have. And we just listed the reasons why the Bills possibly lost that game in Miami. There's a lot going on there. But I just love the Ravens at home. And I think their ability to run the ball will be very key. Buffalo can't. We've seen this trend here when too much is just on Josh Allen at times. And I love this battle of the MVPs. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun, but I feel like this could be the smash mouth Baltimore team that we're used to seeing that we haven't seen in a few years. This will be the time for them to show up at home. Give me the points and the Ravens. Yeah, a really curious move on this game, like this open three, went to three and a half for Buffalo and even touched four where some people were piling in on the Bills. And it's funny, right? Like we just talked about Miami's defense being on the field for 90 plays and like the effect that that might have. And obviously the short week is part of that equation. Well, the Buffalo offense was on the field for those 90 plays too. And Mm -hmm. by the way, their defense, which didn't have to play that much, is already ravaged by injury and you know that entire secondary is basically you know was out last week and could be out again to the point where they they're signing Xavier Rhodes off the off the street and Xavier Rhodes was washed up like three years ago and so now this number has come back and again that's the sort of cat and mouse game now is that a real bet early on in the week because when you see those bets happen early on the week again a lot of it can be that move okay can we get plus three and a half let's put a little minus three down right now and see if that line will bump up and sure enough that's exactly what happens here we are on wednesday and this is down to plus three so you know i'll tell you right now i grabbed the plus three and a half when i could get it yesterday I like it. Three is still fine. I'm with you on the Ravens here, but I again am largely in a Ravens apologist here. This to me is a battle of the two top candidates for MVP. I've got Lamar Jackson from back in, I think it was March. Uh, readers over at the score will have seen that when we first were looking for, you know, we're looking at, I should say, the uh, super, uh, the NFL MVP betting market. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting here and now I'm looking and like Lamar Jackson went from 20 to one to five to one. It's like, yeah, okay. That makes cool. sense. Josh Allen, <laughs> who has been sitting at like six to one is now at three or four to one. Okay. That makes sense. But you're getting the Ravens here at home, a more reliable special teams element here for the Ravens. I know not people talk a 
ton about special teams, but you got your Justin Tucker and you've got obviously kickoffs and kickoff returns that every once in a while will, you know, buck their head here a little bit. And I think that might happen here for the Ravens. The one thing with the Ravens, right, that secondary is still giving up big plays. They were giving up big plays hand over fist to Mac bleeping Jones last week. Mm -hmm. And only because their his receivers kept fumbling and, the, and, you know, balls were getting deflected and turned over was how the Patriots weren't in that game late uh, and not covering teaser legs for uh, some of us out there who uh, had the, <laughs> the Patriots and teaser legs. Um, and that's going to be a problem because Josh Allen's awesome. But again, so is Lamar Jackson, right? So for every like fear of Josh Allen, there has to be a fear of Lamar Jackson. And the difference here is that this game isn't a pick em. This game is plus three. My line, uh, I let me fire this up here. Uh, do, 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 do really good radio. Um, market <laughs> market wise, I understand why the line is where it is because the Bills were rated. Think about where the Bills were rated going into that Dolphins game, right? We talked about it. We talked about that was a should have been maybe Dolphins minus three at Miami last week, and it was you know six at one point, yeah. and that how that had the Bills rated at like 80, 81 out of a hundred. Right. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked about this, like 80 is kind of the max, unless you're a historically awesome, like Patriots in 2007, like Broncos when Peyton Manning was throwing like 55 touchdowns, like that type of team. Like we are not there yet with the Bills. And honestly, I thought they looked really good against Miami. It just was kind of a you know messed up game. But that's the point of value. Right. If you can get that extra couple of points, you can survive a situation like that, like. Yeah, it was weird that the Dolphins won that game outright, but the Bills also weren't going to cover a plus four and a half, a plus five, plus five and a half, plus six in that game, even if they had scored coming down the stretch there. So um, there is no you know, signed agreement anywhere that says the Bills can't lose two games in a row. That's not a thing. So they absolutely could lose this game because I think the Ravens are really good. And outside of a crazy second half against the Dolphins, we might be looking at a Ravens team that is 3-0, right? And mm -hmm. again, there's only two 3-0 teams. That's what, you know, all you need to know about what's going on with this league this year. And it's awesome. Love the parody. Love that we have, what, 13 out of 16 games here that are basically, what, three and a half or less, something along those lines. Week. Like, yeah, but like, that's the fun of it. Let's just, you know, pick some winners instead of having to worry about the points you know i love you know finding valuations and that sort of thing but i also like picking underdogs to win games outright and uh, i think the ravens might be one this week uh underdogs to win outright i'm not really sure about our next game here but i do like the points i'm talking the jags at the eagles eagles at home favored by six and a half as mentioned i'm gonna be on the jags here because i think six and a half is a lot of points against a team that i think is competent I don't really like taking close to like, I, I want, if I'm taking a team by a touchdown, I kind of want them to be playing against a team that I think is not competent. And the Jags, they might be tricking me, but last week they looked like a competent team. Can they do that two weeks in a row against a really good Eagles team? I'm not sure, but I'm going to take the points plus six and a half with the Jags. Well, I think the problem is, right, that it's three weeks in a row because we have to go back to True. that game against the Colts. And this call. is tough, right? You, you, you <laughs> You and I talk about this, whether it's basketball, football, like how do you handle success, right? Mm -hmm. What's ha what happens in a locker room once you actually have success? And then how does that translate to different games, different matchups, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a handful of things that I have kind of a problem with here for the Jags 
in this game. One, the travel element, right? Like playing in Jacksonville against the Colts, then you're going out to LA. I don't know what happened after they beat the Chargers. Maybe they went out for an evening. I don't know. Uh, that's complete, complete happenstance. But like, you know what? You're out in LA. You've won a game. Like you're, you know, you're then going back out to Jacksonville, then out uh, up to Philadelphia, I should say. So like a lot of tra travel here in this short period of time. Uh, number two, the teams that they have, quote unquote, like looked like a real team against <laughs> have had some pretty major injury issues, right? Like they go into that Colts game and it's like, all right, who are the two most important players? One on each side. Well, how about like the only offensive, um, you know, receiving option for the Colts who had just yeah. had 130 yards in the first week? Well, let's take him out of that game and then let's have their middle linebacker, like all pro Shaq Leonard. He's not going to play in that game. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, if you saw Matt Ryan last week, even in a victory, you're still kind of like, I don't think this is really working. We'll get to a matchup involving him a little bit later on. But like, okay, Matt Ryan without any weapons is going to be a problem, right? Then you get into Justin Herbert, who's got cracked ribs at this point. And you go, okay, well, he still played, yada, yada, yada. Since when, and we talked about this last week, since when should we be trusting the Chargers to make, you know, responsible injury related decisions <laughs> and treating injuries appropriately. They're clearly not. Yeah. I saw a stat today that said his accuracy in the first two weeks was like 80% and in the high seventies against the chiefs. And it went down to like 35% accurate against the Jags. Well, what do you think that was from, right? Do you think it was because the Jags are all of a sudden like the greatest defense that we've ever seen in our lives? Or do you think it's really hard to throw a football when you've got cracked ribs or you've frozen up those cracked ribs to the point where you probably can't feel half of your body, mm -hmm. right? So the Jags are getting these like really good spots to be playing these teams. Now they're taking advantage of them. Yeah. So I'm not going to beat them up for that, but like the point is whether it was early on in the week. And of course we had that wild ride last week where the chargers were minus seven. Then they went down to minus three. Then they were back at the last minute up to six and a half, seven when Herbert was again, inexplicably ruled in and played that entire game. But if you go back and you look at those point spreads and you do the math, right. As we like to do, the Eagles should be about nine and a half here. I have minus 9.3 in my, in, in my formula that you love so much. Mm -hmm. So, how do we get to six and a half in this game? Because it's certainly not dropping the Eagles because there's absolutely no reason to drop the Eagles in this game from a rating standpoint. So if you have the Eagles, something along the lines of like a 65 right now, and again, that could go up, but we can, you know, obviously we'd like to see a little bit more for the Eagles before we start putting them in the seventies, which is basically like Super Bowl contender type, type zone. The point is, is like the Eagles should be overrated right now. And even with a really high rating, this is still under a touchdown. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that the Jags are getting rated really, really high, you know, a lot higher than they have been rated when they were, what, you know, seven point, six point underdogs, four point underdogs to the Colts, and then seven point underdogs to the Chargers last week. And it's yeah. like, I don't know that I've seen enough in these two games to be like, yep, like move them on up. They are a 50 out of 100 when we have been rating them in the low to mid to then high 30s throughout this season. Now, I'll move the Jags up. I'll move them up to 40, 45. Like, I will be aggressive in moving them up, especially if they do something this week. 
Yeah. But this being under a touchdown has people like losing their minds here with the Jags. And then we go on to the football field. And my biggest issue with the Jags this whole time has been the offensive line. And am I positive that they can protect Trevor Lawrence based on what they did or in this case didn't do in the offseason putting together that offensive line? Well, Colts, not a great defensive line necessarily, but they didn't really need to be because Matt Ryan was giving the ball up hand over fist. And then last week, you got Joey Bosa going out with an injury and obviously all of the you know problems that the Chargers had. But what happened week one against the Washington uh, Commanders defensive line? Again, mm-hmm. even without uh, like their best player, Washington was getting all over Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Well, whose defensive line is an absolute problem right now where it's just like a meet me at the quarterback situation. They're bringing like, it's not even a four man situation. It's a, like a seven guy rotation. That is awesome. The Eagles. So like the Eagles are going to ha- be a problem for Trevor Lawrence. And this isn't going to be a home game that he had in week two. This isn't going to be the sort of neutral site game that we get when we see chargers games. This is going to be a true road game against philadelphia so yeah like six and a half feels like a lot of points here but as long as it's under a touchdown honestly it's not that much and so i think the eagles might be the play here for survivor as well because i think they win and they cover this number i got the flag back up again oh boy we're we're through how many games and you've already convinced me on two of them and it's okay (laughs) i'm all right to admit that because that's what we do here on this podcast i will lay the six and a half points with the eagles Thank you for that, my friend. But you know what's interesting? Normally, when I'm convincing you of something or have convinced you of something, it's because you've been on the favorite and I'm telling you to take the points here. And I think there's kind of a development over the last two Hmm. plus years where now you're starting with the underdog and then working your way into the favorite. And I think Hmm. that's something that you and I talked about like two years ago as sort of the mindset that you want to be in that I think is will make betters more profitable if they start with, okay, Let's start with the underdog. Why am I going to give points? And then come up with good reasons on why I'm going to give points. So hopefully, though, with the Eagles and the Bengals, those were good enough reasons why we should give points. And honestly, obviously, hopefully, there's that ends up being true. And, there, and those reasons are fulfilled, and we end up not getting burned by the fact that we're giving points with those two games. That's all right. I'm hoping to also not get burned on these London games, but, you know, yeah, that's also a thing that we stru- that I struggle with from year to year is we got the Vikings as two and a half point favorites against the Saints, as mentioned, in London. I always seem to just get this stuff wrong, whichever way to go, because to me, the biggest variable is how the team travels, how you handle the travel, what you do with your time in London when you're not on the football field. So many things that we will have no idea, what, like the real of how much that affects the team, right? And I'm talking the nightlife stuff, right? Because we know yeah, <laughs> this. It's a trip. It's a trip. Sure. Um, I'm not really sure in this, so I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm plugging my nose and taking the the Saints just because I'm taking the points. But you could talk me into the Vikings just being better. Yes, uh, that's that's entirely possible. Again, we got very excited week one uh, when they when they dominated the Packers in that game. Again, mm-hmm. wasn't that kind of same old Vikings last week having to pull a game out against the Lions like yes, at the was. last second, right? Like there was nothing sort of new about that. And so, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. 
we're looking at a third time here where they're giving points on the road. Now, the interesting thing is, and great news here, and get the get the Chiron ready to go here. Oh. This line has moved to a Saints plus three because Jameis Winston was, quote, not seen at practice on Wednesday. We know he's got apparently multiple broken bones in his back and all that sort of thing. But it brings up something that I've wanted to talk about for a really long time. My One of my few, many ton of pet peeves in the sports betting content uh, space is that people on their Wednesday shows talking about the guy who didn't practice on Wednesday as if anybody <laughs> practices on Wednesday, Hold right? On. Like they're going through the motions at Wednesday's best. off. Like Wednesday isn't off, but like it's the first day back after their Tuesday day off. Like talk to me about Thursday, talk to me about Friday when there's an actual injury report. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're any kind of a veteran or if you have any kind of an injury, no, you're not going to practice on Wednesday. So drives me crazy. The good news is, or may again, maybe it's good news. We get that half point, that key half point right now. Now, again, Winston could be out and practicing on Thursday, and I bet you this line goes right back to two and a half if that is the case. But as of right now, it's plus three. I'll take the Saints there. Again, this Saints defense, I don't know what the hell happened against Carolina. Honestly, I watched that game over again, and it was the flukiest thing ever, like the kickers missing kicks left, right, and But the Saints defense was still strong. Panthers weren't able to move the ball by and large. Right. Like they got one long touchdown play after, you know, three quarters of football. Like that's all the Saints are going to give up to these bad offenses. And honestly, I'm not quite I shouldn't say I'm not quite there because I was there. And I'm obviously pulling back here on the Vikings offense because mm -hmm. I've been disappointed with how much they're running the football. I thought this is going to be a throw the football a ton type of offense, but it's about 50 percent right now. And that's not necessarily because they've been leading in these games. That obviously hasn't been the case in the last two games. So too much running right now for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson isn't leaping off the page the way that we thought he was going to before the season and certainly after game one. So like, what am I supposed to be afraid of here? Another rookie head coach. And we talked about McDaniel, uh, or yeah, McDaniels. I'm going to get that wrong all season long. Um, Mike. Uh, of the of Miami being in this like rookie coach situation, right? Of playing on a short week. Well, same story here, right? It's not a short week, obviously, but it, I mean, it kind of is. They're playing at nine o'clock in London. That travel element is essentially burning a day for them, and so like that's probably going to be an issue for the Vikings. Now, you know, Allen's not exactly like you know got things super locked in here. But again, I think they have a better chance of success going overseas. As for the quarterbacks, right, we always have to, you know, touch on the quarterbacks. Like Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, are these two not basically the exact same guy? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no reason. To... And yeah, it's not that different. It's kind of the, <laughs> it's a, it's the homeless man's version of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, right? Where it's like, <laughs> the difference is I'm getting three points with Jameis Winston. I'm getting three points with Lamar Jackson. I That's like the tiebreaker when it comes to the quarterbacks. But again, I think the saints defense here is the thing that travels and of course this is the big travel spot yeah give me the saints here plus three here as of wednesday afternoon moving on we got the browns as point and a half favorites in atlanta jacoby Brissett has been pretty solid for the browns you know the running game's been doing the thing as we've expected that but jacoby Brissett has been all right he had to he matched up pretty nicely with njoku last week tight end finally putting in some work for my fantasy team this is a low number though and at the low number i'm comfortable comfortable with taking the browns on the road i don't like it 
but I'm comfortable with taking the Browns on the road in this low number, even though I, I admire how spicy the Falcons are. Love it. So breaking news, I didn't hear half of what you said because I was literally putting a bet down on the Browns <laughs> while you were talking because you remind this game reminded me that I wanted to do that because there is a rogue uh, Browns money line minus 113 at a relatively prominent sports book out there. Again, not the, not the score mm -hmm. bet. So, um, you know, but we always say get as many sports books uh, as you possibly can, have as many outs as you can possibly have. Here's mm -hmm. the issue, right? Yeah, I love the, the uh, Falcons. We talked about the 12 and 3 record in Circa Millions. There is one common denominator through the first three weeks. The Falcons have been on my card every single week. Now, usually that goes a horribly, horribly wrong. And mm -hmm. that was in the days of Matt Ryan. Now, how's that going for the yeah. Colts, by and large, right? Obviously, this past week notwithstanding. But again, even the most ardent Colts fan would be like, mm, still don't love what I saw. Uh, so maybe it's not the Falcons. Maybe a lot of it has to do with Matt Ryan. And so, yeah, I like the Falcons before the season started. We've been riding them up until this point. But now we're talking about a different type of game here, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't the Seahawks, where you could understand kind of a pick em point spread. This isn't... Oh man, we're three and a half point underdogs. We are seven point, six and a half point underdogs, something along those lines, right? Where you're looking to take the points. This is really essentially a pick it, you know, pick them game here. Pick who's going to win this game. Problem is for the Cleveland, and maybe it's a good thing. You hate to sort of say it in this context, but we're talking about sports betting here. Is if the if him being out along with Jadavian Clowney being out, is the reason that this line is going to be around a pick -em, I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah. Because I think this is about the Browns' offense. You mentioned Brissett, but it's going to be the run game, right? The Falcons' run defense is not good. And the Browns' run game has had to go against, like, pretty good run defenses, right? Yeah. Steelers, like, even the Jets are a pretty good run defense. In Carolina, playing pretty well defensively this season. Like, now you're getting the Falcons. Like, this has got Chubb and Hunt just absolutely running a train through this Falcons <laughs> team this week. And so then it's up to the Falcons to keep up. And... There's a couple injuries with the Browns. Obviously, we just talked about those two, and they lost a linebacker, Walker, as well last week. This is a team that I would have really liked to fade because I was already kind of down on their defense. But, again, the Falcons are getting easier and easier to kind of prepare for as we know what that offense does. And if yeah. you have a week and a half like the Browns have had where they could literally sit at home and watch that Falcons game and just pick over that with a fine-tooth comb, all right, you kind of know what the Falcons are going to bring to this table. The Falcons have just played in Seattle. We talked about the travel element when it came to Jacksonville going from the West Coast to the East Coast. Again, it's not as big as it, big of a deal as it used to be, but you can't have a bigger trip than Atlanta to Seattle and back, even though they stayed out West throughout, uh, you know, from playing in, uh, in Los Angeles and then up to Seattle. It kind of has that letdown spot of coming home after the long road trip. Again, you see it in basketball. You see it in hockey, especially after a win. The Falcons have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. You know, the Browns, you know, this is just a better team, a better roster. And we're getting a line here that I didn't really think was, you know, is not something I thought was going to be possible. Uh, real quick here from a market standpoint, 
yeah, I have this closer to a field goal. So again, if you can get that pick them number minus 115, even a minus 120, that's certainly something that I would do. The Browns are a team that have been hard to rate. We've talked about this on a week to week basis. Um, I, you know, again, I just think this is the team that right now we're getting closer to a correct rating, but we haven't got to where I think they should be. I think they should be around a 50 right now, and they're not quite rated like that, which is why they are only a pick them or sort of minus one here on the road to Atlanta. I like it. Seahawks at the Lions. As we switch gears here, we've got the Lions as four and a half point favorites at home. And it's a lot of points. I can't believe that the Lions are four and a half point favorites at home against anyone. I feel like this line, though, would be tricking me into thinking the Seahawks are someone to be trusted on the road to do anything. And I don't know if I'm there yet with Gino and company. I more so trust what the Lions are doing, that the Lions, much like when we were talking about the Jags, could be a competent team here. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I don't like it, but I'm on the Lions. Yeah, I don't think you can bet the Lions here. Again, like... I know, I get it. The numbers say don't take the Lions. I I got you. It's not not even... I mean, it is the numbers because that's sort of the core of it. It's more just like, again, since when... Were the Lions ever favored by this in this kind of price? And by the way, this opened six. Okay. So like initial instinct. And again, you know, we talked, we've talked about how, yeah. like, you know, even if you don't have the bet down or whatever, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell how you're doing in an NFL season by when you see an opening line on Sunday and mm-hmm. you go like, mm, that doesn't seem right. Now, the problem with it is that like, mm, that doesn't seem right. And turning that into a bet meant like piling in on the Seattle Seahawks, which is not something I was looking to do like ever basically this season, or at least not uh, after their first game against Denver this year. So then the line moves down to four and a half and you go, okay, like I was on to something like, man, I've got a really good read on the market without having to even kind of get into the spreadsheet and and all that sort of thing. Uh, Fair price based on the market would be five. So you can see how like six was the number that people wanted to get their hands on because that obviously is more than five. And now we're down to four and a half, which is sort of passed through. Now, has it passed through for, you know, money reasons, i.e. people betting it? Or is it passed through because it looks like Swift, DeAndre Swift might be out for the Lions? And how does that change things for Mm -hmm. Jared Goff, right? When DeAndre Swift can run the ball and can catch the ball out of the backfield, right? That's a weapon that Jared Goff hasn't had with the Lions before. And so when that just becomes, okay, now we're just handing it off to Jamal Williams, and he's not quite the threat or certain explosive threat um, out of the backfield, now all of a sudden, you know, that offense doesn't scare you as much. (laughs) And the defense is still pretty scary in a negative way for the Detroit Lions, right? And so we saw Seattle last week. And again, I'm no Seattle fan. I'm no Seattle backer. Again, I was on the Falcons last week. But like their offense moved the ball against the Falcons, mm-hmm. which shows me, okay, you know, Denver was one thing. They moved the ball for a half. San Francisco, they weren't able to move the ball at all. But San Francisco's got a good defense. Now when you're playing bad defenses, Geno Smith and company are moving the ball down the field. And that's what the Lions have. They have a bad defense here. So I'm not looking to lay it with Detroit. And honestly, I think Seattle is live to win this game. 
because again, I'm not really sure yet what the difference is between these two teams because of the matchups that we have seen them play already. Right. And like the Seahawks, as much as I didn't want them to, like they could have won that game against Atlanta. Like they could be two and one in yeah. the, you know, so far this season. So again, everything seems to be Detroit or like, and then people realize, oh, that's too high, right? Like we saw it against Washington. Remember they were like two and a half point favorites and then Washington took a bunch of money. Now that was wrong, right? And then we saw like, you know what I'm saying? Like that was wrong because obviously Detroit won that game comfortably. We see them six point favorites here and people going like, no, I don't think I can quite get there. In this case, last week's line didn't really move against the Vikings, you know, stay like five and a half, six. So, you know, there's nothing really to tell from like a market move type situation uh, there. And obviously they covered that game and again, probably should have won that game outright. Uh, yeah, I just I, I'm, I'm not there with the Lions, uh, not not with this defense. They might be the team getting backdoored here at the very least, you know, a team that's mm-hmm. known for backdooring others in yeah. Detroit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't give, I can't give the points here with Detroit though. I, and I can't, I can't, I can't really back Seattle plus four and a half knowing that I had an opportunity to get six. And because no, I, I think it. this is a close game, this could go to overtime. I'll be, you know, I would really wish and I add six, uh, but this is going to probably be involved in a little, uh, round Robin underdog money line parlay here, getting just a taste of the Seahawks money line. Okay. I, I totally get that. Totally understand that. I'm super interested to see. When that game pops up on red zone, I'm guessing it'll be involved in the witching hour in one way or the other for sure. Chargers minus five at the Texans. I just love betting on the Texans. As you know, the five points prime in the Vegas zone, but also like Justin Herbert, we saw he played. He wasn't at full form, but he still played. Mm -hmm. And with that, until I really see how that, really plays out i'm uncomfortable taking them by a lot of points and i feel like five is a lot of points so give me the texans here yeah so we got to do the whole like what's the healthy justin herbert number right and sort mm-hmm. of start there the healthy justin herbert number is you know like <laughs> over seven right yeah. and you've got the non-healthy justin herbert number or the or the chase mcdaniel number being like a completely different thing but fundamentally, right, like history is going to show like Herbert's going to play through this. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to lose a bunch of games. I don't know that necessarily this week is one of them. They're going to miss the playoffs and it's going to get the blame is going to go on on Herbert and the blame's going to go on Staley. And we're going to just all forget that they're like all pro left tackle is out for the season. We're all going right. to forget that like Joey Bosa is only going to play half the games because Joey Bosa seems to only ever always play like half the games. <laughs> We're going to forget that they acquired JC Jackson only to have his surgery not take, right? Like there's, you know, when somebody goes under the knife, there's no guarantee that it's just going to be fixed, right? Speaking of human beings. And so all of this talent that is on this team mm-hmm. is not on this team. And so how far do we have to go from a rating standpoint? And so the question is, all right, for this specific game, what does the number have to be here on either of these teams for this to make sense being down to essentially minus five? And it's quite the drop on the Chargers, right? It's down to like just barely over an average team. And you could say, yeah, honestly, after last week, that makes sense because they got worked over by the Jags. That looked like a team that was barely above average, even potentially below average. But that's a week after being the better team on the field against Kansas City. 
And can mm -hmm. Houston, does Houston have anybody to take advantage of Storm Norton, who is the backup left tackle, the guy who's going to be in for Slater? My answer to that would be, nah, I don't really think they do, right? That, like, that's going to be a problem against high-quality defensive ends, not what the Texans are bringing to the table. And it's funny, I want to defend the Texans here because I hear a lot of people calling them the worst team in the league and Davis Mills is awful. It's like, they, they're still 2-0-1 here against the spread you know like they always are my dude. we'll take it man are. like we yeah. will take it uh so i understand why you're on houston here but that 2-0-1 i mean that is you know what i mean like that's making you like betting on the texans and you're right the problem is whether it's a favorite or an underdog you're never really supposed to be comfortable Right. Mm -hmm. Like the, the whole point is being uncomfortable. That's how you know it's a good bet. Right. But people don't want to live in that universe of like not being comfortable. They want to trust the Chiefs. And then when the Chiefs don't cover, it's like, oh blame man, like you blame the Chiefs. Right. You don't blame yourself for not sort of understanding what the market is trying to tell you here. So, like, people are piling in here on the Texans because they've had it with the Chargers and they see the injury list here. But And they saw that the Texans beat the Chargers last year, which, again, historically, we go, oh, they beat the Chargers last year. Nobody's going to mention that the entire team was ravaged with COVID. And so as this goes down, like, it gets to a point where you're like, God, I have to bet the Chargers here laying five points here on the road. But as far as that on-the-road thing element is, I'm fine with betting the Chargers on the road. I rather bet on the Chargers on the road than I than betting on them at home because there's a decent chance that they don't have a home field advantage and that every week even a point is built into their lines. And here comes the card. Even one point gets built into their lines for being at home automatically makes the road team valuable. But mm -hmm. this is still a really good team. Again, it terrifies me what's going on with Herbert, and obviously it's scary with regards – to the injury i'm not looking to bet it like right this second i'd like to get some practice reports what's going on with the rib cage are we just shooting him up again what's the deal obviously a little bit scary that this line is down to five wait on this see who's going to play see where the line goes but honestly minus five it's it's chargers or nothing here i've switched my pick you heard the mention of the card for our audio listeners here I've switched the pick to the Chargers. And the reason I'm doing that is because I feel like you, you sold me on the Justin Herbert part of this. Justin Herbert, I feel like he will play. He's going to tough it out and play. But I feel like the line and the people wanting, including myself, to bet on the chart on the Texans part of me was based off the Justin Herbert slander, we'll say. Sure. Slander for being hurt. But yeah. anyways, switch pick. Let's keep things moving here. We got the Titans at the Colts. Colts are three and a half point favorites. I'm not really supposed to believe in the Colts now, but I'm going to take the Colts and lay to three and a half points. I know I see you shaking your head already. I need Shaq Leonard to come back though. That's what I really want. And I, and I know that yeah. these teams play very interesting games over and over and over again. Um, I just haven't seen it from the Titans yet. And I know I have barely seen it from the Colts. I know. Yeah. But I'm going to lay the points with three and a half with the Colts. What's well, funny that they're playing the Titans, right? Because I don't know if you'll remember this, but two years ago, we would talk on a weekly basis about the Titans and going like, okay, if they could just get a Dory Jackson back, their cornerback, mm -hmm. like they can, that 
completes their defense and they can be competitive. Like they just need a, a serviceable cornerback to be on this team. And every week it would be like, looks like he's coming back. Looks like he's coming back. Looks like he's coming back. And then Saturday would roll, roll around and they would be like, nope, ruled nope, out for Sunday. He's not back. And you'd be like, come <laughs> on. And then they addressed that position in the off season. And then they ended up going 13 and three the next year. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. So we were right about them needing to have that cornerback position figured out. They just didn't have the dude ready to do it. And that's the thing that I'm worried here with Shaq Leonard. Like, to be so theoretically close to playing each week and then just not being able to go, it's got J.C. Jackson vibes, right? It's the same kind of deal where it's like, well, maybe it's just, I don't want to say never going to be ready, but maybe it's never going to be 100%. And I don't know if it's a pain issue, a strength issue, or a, or a you know sort of stamina issue with regards to Leonard. Now again, I hope he plays. I hope he comes back healthy, all of that sort of thing. But nothing from last week's victory against Kansas City. Like I was hesitant to call certain games flukes. I am not hesitant to call that game a fluke. And I yeah. listen. No, I agree with you. I wrote for the score about how the Colts were my money line underdog pick of the week. Like I'll take the money. Yeah, I will yeah, take yeah. that cash, but I will take the money this week when the Titans go to Indianapolis and beat the Colts. Because I like what I liked, what I saw from the Titans. You and I talked about them last week as being backs against the wall. Like this is a game that they're just going to win somehow. Mm -hmm. What they did was they realized, man, our offensive line is not good enough to, to, to sustain our run game the way that we want to sustain our run game. We saw Derrick Henry's now totaled in the mid to high 80s when last year he was like 110 and a half on his rushing yards. It's because the offensive line isn't good. Well, what did they do right from the start of that game? They threw screen passes to Henry. They got him out in space and he was still that guy running over guys in the secondary. That tells me the coaches are at least trying, man. Like they're trying new stuff. It's not just bang your head against the wall. Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan right now is a bang your head against the wall back at this point. If you are betting mm -hmm. on the Colts here, you are banging your head against the wall against Matt Ryan. I think Derrick Henry has a sort of quasi turn back the clock game here against the Colts, a team that he has done well against in the past. Again, I don't know if Leonard is going to be back here right now. These three and a halves are expensive. I think there's some like minus 118s out there right now. But I think this is a three-point game either way. So like, yes, they are going to be on the round robin underdog money line parlay. And yes, I have already bet this at plus three and a half when it was minus 110 both ways. And he is pulling out the card for a fourth straight time. Or not fourth straight time, but a fourth time. I love it. Listen. This, this here is about a learning experience. This here is about remembering key lessons. And the big key lesson that I will say is the reminder to myself of the importance of the half point. Yeah. That's On it. three. I'll just yep. say that. The yep. three, give me the Titans, three and a half points. And this is what we do here. This is about me throwing something out there and being convinced. I'm okay with that. That is the beauty of this show. And I love it so much for that exact reason. I will say I do not love our next game, which is the Cardinals and the Panthers. Um, Panthers are at home and favored by one and a half points. And I got to be honest with you. I stared at this like three times and wrote it down wrong because I just assumed that it was the Cardinals that were favored by a point and a half. Yeah. So just based off that simple process, I am taking the cards at plus one and a half. I know there's no logic to that. 
but there's no real logic for me with this game and Baker and the Panthers and video game Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury still hanging on to his job somehow. Lots going on here, but I'm on the cards. One of the things this week is I feel like, and maybe this is why there are so many games lined around a field goal. There's a lot of games where it's teams who I don't want to bet on Mm -hmm. playing each other and teams that I want to bet on playing each other. Yeah. And that doesn't even mean like good versus, you know, good versus bad or, or, you know, whatever. But this literally, these two teams stink, right? Like we know this. I think Arizona has more in the tank, more mm-hmm. capabilities. And like just me saying that doesn't really sound like it makes any sense. I'm not, I'm not dying to play this game in like any way, shape, or form. Like I can't imagine a universe when it, where Arizona goes to like three. I can't even really imagine a universe where I would be looking to tease Arizona because like you could tell me Carolina won this game by two touchdowns and I'd be like, yeah, okay, totally makes sense. But like Carolina winning that game, speaking of the Colts, you know, and their win last week, Carolina's win last week. Again, watched it top to bottom over again. Awful, awful team, fluky win, Kamara fumble recovery touchdown, like Lutz can't make a kick, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I'm not giving them any credit for that. And then now yeah. all we go back to is like losing to the Giants, you know, and then losing to the Browns at home. Like there's still nothing here that makes me want to back the Panthers. And we've talked at length about how I don't want anything to do with the Cardinals. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like the, the Panthers have been a low forties team out of a hundred for yeah. me before the season, during the season, and right now, at least the Cardinals are a team that I've had to project into the low 40s. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I might not be right about that. And if I'm not right about them, if they're mid 40s, if they are 50, right, if they are an average team, and I certainly expect them to become more of an average team when DeAndre Hopkins is, is back. Mm-hmm. But like, if I'm not right, then this, then you're right, man. This, the Cardinals should be favored in this game. So I completely understand you taking the plus one and a half here. I don't really like anything about this game, though. Yeah, I I can't really say that I do, and I can't really say that I know or have much to say about this game either, which is the Patriots at the Packers. Packers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. That, my friends, is a lot of points. But the fact that Brian Hoyer is involved, and I didn't really realize that Brian Hoyer's name is Axel. Is that a real thing? Or is that just a Twitter fooling me? I, I don't have know. no idea. Either way, though. That sounds awesome. I'm on the Packers minus nine and a half because we're t- the name Brian Hoyers even just mentioned and involved. So for that reason, I'm on the Packers. Uh, hard to argue. Um, <laughs> a couple of, in, you know, couple of things to sort of maybe go against it. One, uh, this was 10 and a half. Okay. okay. And I think that. You know, the fact that this came down through 10, again, not the world's most uh, important number, but like, you know, you'd want to have 10. Um, We are talking about Bill Belichick in the sort of like, just keep it close type territory. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy who had a season of like being a pretty big underdog against really good teams. You'll remember there was a Monday night game against Kansas City a few years ago where we had a poo-poo platter of Patriots quarterbacks uh, going up against the vaunted Chiefs. And, like, somehow the Patriots, like, kept it close in that game. I definitely uh, remember that. 
right? Like from a run defense standpoint, which is again, the first weirdly, you know, as crazy as it is to say, that's the first thing you have to think of when it comes to the Packers and stopping the Packers is like, can you do it on the, like defending the ground? And I think the Patriots can do that. (sighs) Brian Hoyer, like, again, you want to say that a guy who's been in the league like this long in this system Mm-hmm. on this team like can get the ball in the hands of different guys this isn't a situation where he has to keep throwing it to the same guy they have a handful of different dudes that can just you know get first downs muck this game up i like the patriots at 10 and a half sort of like him at 10 mm-hmm. nine and a half like i would steer clear so I'm not going to stop you, man, from betting the Packers here minus nine and a half. But it's also just remember who we're dealing with. Like, they probably won't win this game. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, will never really be in danger of winning this uh, game. But they are going to figure out a way here to give themselves a chance to at least be like in the neighborhood come the fourth quarter. I find that super interesting. And it's one of those things where you look at it and listen. We've spent a lot of years riding with Belichick, so I totally understand that, and I totally will get it. And none, But from the start of the season, I've kind of made this line in the sand where I'm like, I'm coming into this, and I'm going to have to keep reminding myself this is not the same Patriots, and I'm going to get bitten by that at some point. I just hope it's not this week. Well, and it's a, <laughs> and it's a tremendous point, though. But like to that point, you know, I always like to sort of assign a numerical value to like the opinions that we have to sort of mm-hmm. – so that it's easy for people to understand. No, it's not the same Patriots. If it were the same Patriots or even anything remotely close to it, we'd be it talking wouldn't be, about, <laughs> it wouldn't be nine and a half, wouldn't be 10, exactly. right? So what is this Patriots team? Like what about, you know, how did we get to 10 and a half, right? No, no I so gotcha. When it was 10 and a half, that assigned the Patriots about a 38 out of 100, right? So can they play to a 38? Like other 38 teams, the Bears, right? Like the Falcons, like these yeah. types of teams are the Patriots with Brian Hoyer, the bears or the Falcons. I mean, the bears literally played green Bay in green Bay two weeks ago and mm-hmm. were 10 point underdogs. So that's Correct. kind of the, the basis that you're going for here. Like, is this Patriots team good enough to be better than those teams? And like Justin Fields is what he's up to what? 24 pass completions at this point in the season. Like, if Brian Hoyer can be that and the offense can run the ball and, you know, defensively they can be better than the Bears, which I think they are, then I think that's why this number has come down to nine and a half. Now, obviously, nine and a half is in that zone where if it goes to eight and a half, what happens? Teaser town, right? Eight and a half becomes two and a half. And now you've got yourself a real deal. So I don't think we're going to see it drop any more than it is. But I think mm-hmm. that's why we've seen it drop from ten and a half, because I think people like the idea of the Patriots being bad, but not that bad. And again, maybe this is that week or or this week's version of that team. We've seen it every single week. One team either loses a quarterback or loses a game really badly and they get booted, right? Where there was Cowboys after Dak, there was Browns in the first week of the season. There was uh, what Tennessee, obviously last week, just getting rated at the absolute bottom rung of their potential. And that's been wrong every single time. And so I think it's possible that it's wrong again, that we just assume that like Mac Jones is that much better than Brian Hoyer, certainly much more potential and all of that sort of thing. But for right one game, right this second, you know, again, I might be, I might be regretting this when Brian Hoyer is terrible, 
I think that we might be on that same situation that we've seen over these last few weeks with a under an underration of a team because of some extenuating circumstance. <laughs> I like that. I like that word, underration. <laughs> I like it. Um, Broncos and Raiders. You mentioned yeah. teams being bad, but not that bad. I don't know. <laughs> we could be talking about one of these teams. We could be talking about both of these teams. But either way, the Raiders are two and a half point favorites at home. I'm going to lay the points here with the Raiders. Can't say I like it a lot, but I feel like the Raiders offense at some point, they got to get things going. And you could say the same about the Broncos and Russ did it for one play yeah. or one series, one series against the Niners D, which was, you know, we know the Niners defense is pretty good. Either way though, I like the Raiders at home. I'll lay the two and a half points because it's under a field goal. Give me the Raiders. Yeah, it's terrifying because, you know, I talked about it last week, right? Josh McDaniel just might stink. He might yep. stink as a head coach. Um, <laughs> but again, I didn't expect them to beat the Titans last week. So why, you know, why would I downgrade them any further than, you know, I sort of normally would. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Broncos, like, how do you not downgrade them every single game that they've played? Like, I was sitting there watching that game on Sunday night and you know, you start, you know, it was the, it was the fifth, our fifth pick in uh, circa millions. And I was like, you know, you get into bargaining, right? You're like, just give me one drive, Russ. That's all I want out of life here is <laughs> one drive. I'll never ask you to do anything ever again. You know, so much as so, so long as I live. And of course, if I were backing the Broncos this week, that would be asking them to do something. This does seem like a prime Broncos teaser leg, right? <laughs> if you're like, how is this not going to be inside of eight and a half points? When it comes to, like, you know, the, I don't think the Raiders are going to blow them out. That being said, under a field goal, like, I bet it at minus two early on in the week because it just seemed like it was going to go higher than that. And this is that sort of spot for the Raiders. And because I'm not afraid of what's going on with the Broncos' offense, defense maybe a little bit, but, like, Derek Carr has seen the Broncos' defense over and over and over and over in his time with the Raiders, and he has done quite well in that time, right? Whether it was at home or on the road here. So I think this is actually a pretty good spot here for the Raiders. I'm with you. I would take the Raiders. I have taken the Raiders uh, minus two. Minus two and a half is fine as well. Ooh, okay, okay. I feel I feel good now. I'm starting to feel a little more a little more confident here. The last few picks as as we're, we're we seem to be a little more in simpatico here and there. <laughs> um, I'm interested to hear where, what's going on here with these next three games that, you know me, the poo-poo platter games, the games that I'm kind of like, nah, I know there's value there. I yeah. know that's where the money gets made. So I need your help here. Yeah. Commanders at Cowboys. Cowboys three-point favorites at home. Um, I can't, I'm laying three points with Cooper Rush. Is this where, I, where I'm really at right now? No, and that's the key to the NFL, right, is, all right, we recognize where value exists. It existed against Cincinnati. It existed, you know, in a lesser extent against the Giants. And now they are, the Cowboys are appropriately rated. So we're mm -hmm. not just going to bet on the Cowboys because they cashed for us the last two weeks. Like that mm -hmm. does, that kind of goes against the whole plot of what we're supposed to be doing here. <laughs> yes. Does that mean I'm looking to get behind the, the commanders here? Absolutely not. So, yeah, like, <laughs> keep riding the Cowboys. Maybe it's a one-more-time type situation here because mm -hmm. they have got a little juice going here with Cooper Rush. I think he is serviceable. I don't know that he's, again, a starter necessarily, but it just shows how far we, you know, overrated the concept of Dak being hurt. 
I'm totally fine with you taking the Cowboys. This is not a game I'm looking to play really in any sort of significant way. Uh, so I won't get in your way on this one. All right. Fair enough. Jets at Steelers. We got the Steelers favored by three points at home and I'm on the Jets plus three. Um, I know this is almost kind of the same scenario here as the previous game we just talked about, and I'm on the road team here. So I don't know why I have more faith in the Jets, but I do. Give me the Jets plus the points. I don't even think you might want to bother with the points here. Zach Wilson's going to start Ooh. this game. The idea Ooh. here is he's either much better than Joe Flacco or much worse. I don't, because it's not going to be the same, right? Yeah. Because they're not going to mm -hmm. ask him to statue it and throw it around a bunch of times. No. And what that means is there's going to be a lot of stuff that the Steelers haven't seen on tape. There's going to be rollouts, mm. right? There's going to be a lot of stuff that the Jets are going to do here that is going to be different than what they ask Flacco to do. Meanwhile, the Steelers have two sacks in two games since TJ Watt uh, is, is out. Yeah. That's brutal. And it's a situation where, yeah, the Jets are without yet another tackle. And Fant was, George Fant was, is out for their, uh, I think he's on IR with us for the season or half the season. It's not really all that relevant uh, in, in, this, in this instance. But you've got a now mobile quarterback here with Zach Wilson. So you don't have statue Joe Flacco just sitting back there waiting to get smoked here. Listen, the Jets could lose this game by one or two points. There's some three and a halves out there. Obviously, I would recommend that, you know, over the three. That's not rocket science. But honestly, I just think if the Jets are competitive in this game, they just flat out win the game. Because yeah. I think we obviously at this point know what we're going to get out of Mitch Trubisky. I think the Jets are just frisky enough, even though they've got two. It's weird. They've got they honestly could have lost every single game by two touchdowns or more. But if you're going to take a shot with the Jets here, just take the money line and hope that Zach Wilson is actually good, right? Take the mm. unknown. We don't know if Zach Wilson is going to be good. He, again, he might be awful. He might get sacked 10 times because he looks like a deer in the headlights. But honestly, you were going to lose your plus three bet anyway. You might as well take the money line here with the Jets uh, and, and sort of bet on the uncertainty. Okay. Okay. Uh, whom, speaking of uncertainty, we got the Bears at the Giants. Uh, Giants favored by three points at home, and I'm very uncertain here in taking the Bears plus the points, but it's for the same reason. It's a Giants favored by three points against anybody. Like, I don't know, Giants, Steelers, Cowboys, like these teams favored by three points at home. I'm looking at it like, talk it's, me out of taking the points. That's very, where we're at. It's a very old school sort of standard thing where it's just like two teams about the same home team, give them three points, right? It's like mm -hmm. we went back to like 1987 yeah. all of a sudden when it comes to line making at this point, but they've all kind of got there in a different way, right? In this case, Correct. the Giants opened three and a half for some reason, which at that point, the market sort of looked exactly how you are looking right now. And they <laughs> looked at each other like, and it almost like took a little long to make yeah. the bet because it's like, what? what am I? No, we have to, it's the giants at home three yeah. and a half. Like, of course I have to take the bears. Like, I don't even like you and I could play on the bears and like, we just have to make that bet. So yeah, like I'm down on three and a, at three and a half, three is fine as well. Obviously it means a push if it lands on three, which is, you know, not necessarily ideal. The bears at least know who they are. They're like, we don't yeah. really want Justin Fields throwing the football. We're good at running the football. 
I imagine both these teams are just running at each other. And, you know, and that includes the quarterbacks with Daniel Jones and Justin Fields, right? It's going to yeah. be a lot of just run. Maybe this is not a 1987. It's maybe it's 1937 where they're just running Ooh. back and forth and back and forth. Back the and wishbone, forth. any wishbone offense. But there? I'll give you a spicy little extra bet here. You ready? You ready for this okay. one? I wrote about this today and I like low key love it, even though it's never going to win. Uh, the Bears love to run the football. They're going to run the football over and over and over again. They're going to run the football anytime they get anywhere near the goal line, right? Mm-hmm. They have two running backs. One's David Montgomery. One's Khalil Herbert. The uh, advanced metrics say that Khalil Herbert is the much better running back than David Montgomery, but that hadn't reflected in uh, snap share, uh, carry share, in the first two games. But Khalil Herbert got 20 carries last week. He was very, very good. And he ran for two touchdowns, his second and third touchdowns of the season because he had one back in week one, sort of a vulture-type situation at the time. David Montgomery, a little bit banged up. If you combine the fact that David Montgomery's a little bit banged up and that Khalil Herbert, again, from an advanced metric standpoint, new regime in the in, uh, that the Bears have, hopefully they're like, on to this sort of thing. Maybe Khalil Herbert gets the Lions' share, pardon the pun, of a division rival. And maybe he gets the Bears' share of the carries the rest of the season. Maybe he gets the goal line carries the rest of the season. The rushing touchdowns, most rushing touchdowns on the season market, and any of those touchdown markets, quarterback's a little bit different because you have to you know, get like 45 to 50 touchdowns and you can't just fluke your way into it. Put it this way, from a receiving standpoint, Kenny Galladay led the league in receiving touchdowns three years ago, right? There are some random names in the most touchdowns of the season list on both the receiving and the rushing standpoint. If the Bears are just going to run the football all season long and anytime they get anywhere near the goal line, Khalil Herbert could finish the season with 16 touchdowns. He already has three. 16 touchdowns is often all you need to have the most rushing touchdowns in a season, right? Usually second place is around 14 or 15. Sometimes a guy runs for 18. Sometimes it's 16. And honestly, a lot of the times, a guy with 13 or 14 wins. Now, if you had Jonathan Taylor being awesome right now, you'd be worried about him. If you had Derrick Henry out there being awesome, you'd be worried about him putting up 20 touchdown type seasons. This might be a year where a random guy has the most rushing touchdowns, not necessarily the most rushing yards, because I think they split the carries no matter what happens between him and David Montgomery. Guess what his price is right now? 150 to one. Oh, okay. So we're not talking about a massive investment by any stretch of the imagination. If you throw five bucks on it, if I if this actually happens, you win 750 bucks. It's 100 to 1 over at the score bet. So if you have an account there, that's a perfectly fine number at 100 to 1. Khalil Herbert, most rushing touchdowns. Not out of the realm of possibility here based on the metrics and the usage that the Bears should have for their offense this season. Ooh, okay. Super interesting stuff there for sure. Um, also not out of the realm of possibilities will be me trying to chase on Sunday night football matchup between the Chiefs, who are favored by a point pick them game at the Bucks. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, are you not entertained? Obviously, you know, I'm going to be on the Chiefs here. Um, but the reason I'm going to be on the Chiefs, though, is because I just feel like the Bucks are just too banged up. And I know they'll get Mike Evans back, but I think you need a little bit more to 
if you're going to try to keep up with the Chiefs offense. And I know the Chiefs offense isn't the same Chiefs offense, but they're still the Chiefs offense. Bucks defense is very, very good. I get that. But in a pick'em game, I would like a little more points for me to take the Bucks at home. At That's just one. Oof. A lot of dumb stuff happened in that Chiefs uh, game against the Colts, and I would love to back the Chiefs this week coming off of that loss. I can't do it. Whether it was against the Chargers and the interceptions that should have been thrown and just the general, like, not that greatness of the Chiefs in that game, followed by more not that greatness last mm-hmm. week. And now they're going against the Bucks defense, which, dude, is flat out nasty. True. Nasty. So, like, the Bucks don't have to keep up, right? They just mm-hmm. have to use Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette. <laughs> and like, just keep it to those two guys. Mix in some other dudes wherever you kind of want to. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bucks needed that loss last week after you know winning those two games really ugly. Mm-hmm. This is going to be more low scoring than people think because of okay. obviously the two guys and like you said, Mahomes and Brady and like getting excited about that. The line here, right, stinks of well, well Bucks aren't any good anymore, and like you know they finally faced a good team against the Packers and all of that sort of thing. You know how it is with the Chiefs, man. People are piling in to grab the Chiefs, especially after a, after a loss. Listen, it's the same thing, right? There's nothing that contractually says the Bills can't lose two games in a row. There's nothing contractually that says the Chiefs can't lose two games in a row. I'm going to be on the Buccaneers here. If you can get a one and a half and tease it up over seven and a half, that's a play as well. I think the uh, excuse me, the Buccaneers not only keep this tight, the defense wins this game or at least keeps it alive for Brady to pull it out in the end. And again, I think Mike Evans comes back with some vengeance here, probably a couple of touchdowns uh, for him on Sunday night. My fantasy team hopes you're right, my friend. We close out our picks portion of the pod, though, Monday night football, the Rams at the Niners, Niners at home, favored by a point and a half. And I got to say, this is one where, I'm remembering our lessons of the past because I don't really like the Niners. You know, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, not a fan of his work at all. And watching him last week, pull the Orlovsky, which really saved him from throwing a pick six, (laughs) which is the part that people keep forgetting about. I feel like, like everyone's making fun of him for stepping on the line, but not acknowledging that he threw a pick six. So it's probably better that he stepped on the, the end zone line. If that makes sense. Yeah. But here we are. Because it's a theme that we talk about all the time, the merry-go-round that is the NFC West, and the Niners just play well against the Rams. Now, maybe Vegas is catching on because this line is a, a point and a half, and I feel like maybe it normally we're getting a, a, a or a feeling like I'm getting more value in taking the Niners in this spot, mm-hmm. but remains the same. Give me the Niners laying the points, point and a half at home. Yeah, I certainly miss the days. Uh, I think it was the last couple of years where this was the 49ers were underdogs in this mm-hmm. game against the Rams. Um, mm-hmm. I think this line is what, you know, it's not that we're getting, I don't think you're getting value on the Rams because they, they should be favored. It's more like, oh, that's, this shows that we were getting value back then, right? It's sort of a retroactive thing. I think this is an appropriately priced line. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to sit there and like I could sit here behind my spreadsheet and be like, Oh, you know, like I think the Rams should be favored in this game because like the market points spreads. I shouldn't make a voice because I'm making fun of myself here. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the number's right. It's, you know, I had minus 1.8 when it got up to two and a half, like, yeah, that was a bit much, you know, um, mm. that probably had a lot to do with the fact that she, like the quote Shanahan, like dominating the Rams here, but like, 
you know, eventually, like, yeah, man, maybe a coach does actually have, you know, it with, you know, against another coach. Yeah. Like, it's a football game. It isn't played on, a, you know, a piece of paper. Like, we talk about the human being games, right? Maybe mm-hmm. this is a human being coaching matchup. Yeah. Right? Maybe just Shanahan knows what McVay is going to do. And he had like, and that game plan comes back because we know McVay doesn't necessarily change his stuff up on, you know, he just runs what he runs. And for some, you know, against teams that are worse than them, it often works. And then teams that are pretty equal to, it's kind of a 50, 50 type deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I got to be on the 49ers here too. Um, but the one thing that obviously is an issue here, but I think it's worth mentioning and shout out to a friend of the program, Brandon Lefebvre. He and I were discussing this this past week. Uh, and he made a really good point that we're gonna I'm gonna steal probably for the rest of the podcast, uh, maybe the rest of my life. When a guy gets injured or a group gets injured on a team, we think of it as if like a team just doesn't get to replace that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, yeah, it's not like they get red carded where all of a sudden like the the Bills and the Dolphins and the Bills had all those guys injured last week and it was like Tyree Kill's gonna like have a field day. And it's like, how is he not going to have over six and a half receptions? Like, I was guilty of that. And then, like, Tyreek Hill has two catches. And it's like, yeah, because there are other dudes out there running around. Yeah. And so if the, my point here is that if the 49ers are without Trent Williams, at least they know that they're going to be without Trent Williams. If he went out in the first play and they're like, oh, bleep, like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to make a, make this work? They know offensively, okay, we're going to have to put another guy over on Trent on what would be the left side of the offensive line. We're going to have to do some different things here mm-hmm. in order to keep Jimmy G upright. Like they know what their deficiency is and they have a full week, you know, plus an extra day. I think it's big that this game is on Monday night for that reason. And by the way, like I'm still not that stoked about the Rams, right? I'm still where I am with the Rams where it's like I have them in the like mid to low sixties as this team that like, they're probably not going to lose outright to like a really bad team, but like, I'm also not dying to lay a ton of points and in matchup games where, you know, I could go either way. Like I'm probably going to go the other way with the Rams this season. So yeah, worried about the Trent Williams thing. I'm going to botch his name. So I'm not even going to say it, but the linebacker is out for it for the 49ers as well. He's awesome. Even though again, not even going to try botching the name. Um, so the injury issues are there, but at least we know what those injury issues are and they can work around them. Yeah. I'll be on the 49ers here on Monday night. Love it. Love it a lot, my dude. I also love getting more of your insight online on Twitter. Where can the people find you for all of the information and education that you provide on a weekly basis? At M Russ Authentic on Twitter, M-R-U-S-S Authentic. And of course, at the score, uh, hop on the app. Everybody's already got the app. Get the alerts going for the betting news and all that sort of thing. On Instagram, at Sheldon Alexander. Make sure you like and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. Because as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. Until next time, see ya.